Nutritious. This is Dave Earl, your host of Cooking Nutritious, coming to you live on Newsstand Studios from Rockefeller Center here in Midtown, New York City. Joined as usual with Nastasia the Hammer Lopez. How you doing, Stas? Good. Doing well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We got uh, John. We got John over here. How you doing? Doing great, thanks. Yeah, yeah. We got Jackie Molecules over in California. What's up? Hey, how you doing? And of course, Hello. as always, our Rockefeller Center booth magnet, Joe Hazen. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Do- doing great. Doing great. Uh, I have we have two we have two special guests today. One's coming on uh, later in the show. Uh, should we announce him later when he comes on? We'll tell him now, right? Because cut because. You can call in your questions live if you're a Patreon subscriber to 917-410-1507. That's 917-410-1507. We have today, I think, well, I'll just tell you who it is. It's Joel Gargano from Grano Arso's Restaurant in Chester, Connecticut. And, um, man, you've been, been like, a friend of the show since, like, the beginning, kind of. Yeah, since super early. Yeah, since like original Jackie Molecules days. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I even wrote your intro song a what's while up, back. What's up, man? Yeah. Hey, yeah. what's up, man? Yeah, and Nastasia can't do the metal. She's she can hear you. Yeah. yeah. So I like we, that. What the metal? I it. The metal? The metal version? We, well, we, we you yeah. resurrected. We'll play it once. If you have it, you can. Can you play it just for like old times' sake? Oh man, I don't know. It would have to be some. Probably on an old hard drive at this point. That was yeah. a long time ago. But yeah. we had a good, good run of shows. A good run of shows with that theme sound. Yeah. Cooking issues. Go! That's how it went pretty much, right? That was pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's my, my memory of it. Uh, so a little bit of a technical issue uh, here today, John. For some reason, it didn't update to my drive. That's right. I'll, f- I'll find the questions. Or you can find the questions and read them to me. How about that? Uh, even better. And you know what? I'm prepared. Do you know what? If you read the questions, then I can't go off on tangents in the middle of the question. Well, I don't believe that for a second. It's like <laughs> me trying to tell you your things in the morning. You still go off on tangents when I do this. Okay. Well, you know, it's important. We were discussing healthcare. That's true. It was just this morning. Yeah. Wait, yeah. O- options for you? Yeah, I'm shopping around oh, for healthcare right that's now. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, well, it's not, not that. It's like yeah. uh, because like he's technically the only employee. I don't know what the rules are now because you know it changes from week to week, administration to administration. But here in New York, it is not possible for us to buy. No, no matter how much money we want to spend, it's not possible for us to buy health insurance. What? Well, yep. like, you can get really <laughs> crappy plans. Yeah. Well, no, but that's just you personally. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. True. 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 Yes, but yes, like, yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, so. because of the fact that like. I had to go on my wife's health care, then you need a certain number of people in mm, a company who are for going a plan. for a plan to work. Yeah. You can't just hire someone and be like, I would like to get you health insurance. Right, right, right. Yeah. No matter how much money you have for it. Yep. It's banana llamas. It's crazy. It's, it's nuts. Yeah, Connecticut's like age-based. I don't know what it's like here, but, you know, it doesn't matter what your income is. The health care premium is based off of your age. So if you have an older employee, the cost is super high well you know i guess it's so hilarious because uh i guess it's like that we don't all plan or hope to get older we're all betting on dying young we're all like <laughs> i'm gonna die tomorrow in which case why do you need to save your money just spend it on the health care then right i mean if you're not gonna live to be if you're not gonna live in order to need the health care later right then why bother saving the money now let somebody else use it because you're gonna be gone you know sure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know if that's what your plan is, if your plan is on being dead, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oops. Uh, all right. So uh, on to uh, more. Uh, so wait. So 
what brings you to New York today, Joel? And why don't you talk about your new projects? And we've discussed, you know, we've discussed many times on the show your restaurant. I think, you know, no offense to other people in the Chester area, but I think your restaurant probably clearly the, the, the you know, the destination restaurant for that entire chunk of the Connecticut River. Am I right? Um, now that you said it, yes. Yeah. I mean, what do you think, John? Yeah, agreed. Yeah. I, I think yeah. John said it's the best pasta he's ever had. That's true. So that many times. Oh my yeah. God! You're gonna. You're, 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 everyone's triggering no, Nastasia here. I can't wait to try it. Better than Italy, huh? Oh, jeez, Louise, on a freaking stick. So we, we, let's just have this argument now, so it can be out in the open. You don't want to? I'm not arguing. No, I'm not arguing with you. It's okay. No, no, no. I don't argue with you. No, but you prefer. No, no, I'm not getting into it at all today. You don't want. You don't want to discuss pasta. No, you can discuss your pasta. But I'm not allowed to discuss it with you. No, I'm not allowed to. Even though I, I have learned that our listeners are very sensitive men, and I don't want to say anything that pisses them off, especially Patreon. Uh, subscribers. Oh so. yeah, that was that was very unloaded way of saying that, Nastasia. I, I mean, like, okay, whatever. <laughs> Please, you're getting a glimpse, people. You're getting a glimpse. Uh, all right, so you have the restaurant, yeah. And one, you know, you, you're, you know, of the of the ilk where you like to at least to try to make everything at least once or twice. And mm-hmm. if you don't feel like you can do a good job, you let somebody else do it. Like you, we were talking, someone asked an ice cream question because later on we have Quinn who has a new gelato book out. He's mm-hmm. going to come on and talk about it. And I was asking if you had an ice cream machine, and you said no. The people across the street make great ice cream. Who across the street from you makes great ice cream? It's Honey Cone. And they do a fantastic job, and we can collaborate on flavors and all that kind of stuff. It must be relatively new, yeah? Yeah, within a year. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, job. You still have that fancy handmade leather person up the block from you? Or you yeah. yeah. Oh, he's, he's super cool, Drew. Yeah. There's a, so Chester, Connecticut, for the last time when I had to move out of Chester, unfortunately, uh, there was this person that had been hired. So Chester is a small town that used to, it has like a, a stream running through it that they used to run mills off of. What was it? Textile? What were they doing there? Guns? Um, guns and Colt lived there for a while, right? So, like, they had guns and they had, like, I guess other sort of industrial stuff, like all of Connecticut. That neighborhood actually was where all, so, like, all the people who were kind of, like, killed by the ivory trade and all the elephants that were killed by the ivory trade, a huge chunk of that ivory, which was really based on the misery and death of both humans and animals, Mm -hmm. ended up getting shipped to that little part of Connecticut to get turned into piano keys. (laughs) And so, like, literally, it's like Chester, Deep River, and Ivoryton, you'll have places, you'll have, like, a little statue of an elephant. You're like, oh, isn't that cute? No. No, it's not. And then they're like, they have have a a place called, like, uh, the Keyboard Factory. Yeah, the keyboard was Piano that? works. Yeah, yeah. Key, there, you know what it was built on? Tears and death. <laughs> Entire neighborhood built on tears and death. And yet another one of those situations where we in the North are like, well, you know, our hands are relatively clean. No, no. <laughs> I mean, like, not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. Uh, but yes, it's a nice place. And uh, do people in Chester still make fun of the Deep River people? Oh, of course. Yeah. So it's They're like slumming in a Deep River. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deep River. Uh, who's the famous person from? Uh, is it Gretchen Malls from Deep River? Anyway, someone like this is from Deep River. Um, and uh, you know, yeah. So the people in Chester, which is literally like a block away from Deep River, mm-hmm. like do nothing but poke fun at, uh, at you know the Chester people. Poke fun, at, but the Deep River people, I don't think make fun of the Chester people, right? I don't think so. I think they probably have a little bit more, you know, class. Yeah, in that yeah. in that regard, I think they're more respectful. Aaron, Aaron, I don't even know how he got on this. It's so more, wait, it's more of blue collar, you know. Yeah. So like right up the block from him, uh, this this person opened right as we we left. Oh, I remember what it was. This lady was going around shooting a video for the town of Chester, being like, "Chester's a walking town." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> I'm like, 
walking from where to where. The, the, the middle of Chester is like a block and a half long, mm-hmm. right? And it's lovely, and you should go. But yeah, you're walking that block and a half. You walk further in, in an old school suburban mall than you walk in Chester to go from one side of it to the other. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, hey, sorry, sorry, sorry. Inside baseball people, have you ever gone to the Snack Shack on Cedar River? Cedar no, Lake? No, but Cedar I, Lake? You, you mentioned their the lobster You got to go to yeah. the lobster roll. I want to know whether it's just me. And for the price, I'm also one of these guys that when the price is right, I'm like, I can't believe it for the price. You I don't know, even have lobster on my menu right now because it's so darn expensive. Oh, I haven't been this year to the place, but obviously I'm yeah, going to check it out. Yeah. But, um, but either way, yeah. So uh, the restaurant is insanely busy, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Um, we even had a record sales day on Saturday, so that'll give you oh, some congrats. perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, lots of parties. Uh, but we're opening up two new businesses this year. Of course, the dried pasta I talked a little bit about. Uh, that's a little family business. Um, so, like, how many pounds a day are you, like, how, how do you measure what you're doing? How, like, what are, the, what are the metrics? Yeah, so uh, we're starting small. So we're doing about 400 pounds a day. Um, and we're still in R&D, so we haven't released the product yet. But we have the, you know, the boxes done and... You know the barcode stuff and getting the state approval is kind of almost. That sucks, there. right? Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of money. Yeah, well, it's a like, lot of money. So, like, what percentage? I think people will be. I don't. If you don't want to talk about, it, you don't want to talk about it. What percentage of the money is the box <laughs> of, of your cost? Not oh, of what yeah. I'm paying, but of your cost. What percentage is the box? Yeah, it's it's more than half. Bing ding. Yep. That's like a lot of liquor. The bottle is actually. Yeah. You know, the bottle is what you're paying for. The liquid, I'll never forget. Uh, I, I'm not going to say who it was, but I was at a, uh, I happened to be at a meeting where a bunch of execs from a, a big liquor company, big one, big, right? And they were talking about this new liquor. And they were like, well, we don't know how much it's going to cost yet. I'm like, yeah, but don't, I don't understand. It's like, you know, you know how much it costs to, to, to make it. They're like, oh, the, the, the liquid? It doesn't matter. <laughs> free. You know what I mean? Compared to like the marketing and all the other hoo-ha that they're going. I was mm-hmm. like, damn. You know what I mean? It was just yeah. like a real eye opener, especially on the liquor side, how that some of that stuff works. I mean, some of the stuff is scarcity price, but a lot of it, they get to choose. Yeah. But yeah. for you, the box is like, you know, flour ain't that expensive. Flour and water is not that expensive. So are you, you know. buying a boatload of Durham or like, yeah. So, so here's, here's what we started with. Um, I tried to work with a, I'm not going to name the company with a, an Italian mill that's based in uh, somewhere in the Midwest. Okay. And they have their an Italian name, an Italian company. <laughs> and uh, we got their flour in, and it was complete garbage. Yeah. And um, the pasta was, like, tasteless. And I was like, well, I bought two pallets of this. Without- Just for people to know how many pounds, how many how many 50-pound sacks in a pallet. Is it 50-pound sacks, though? 60, yeah, it's 50 pounds. I think it's 60 bags. Yeah. Um, but so, anyway, so we're going to go to go back to standard General Mills for the majority of it. And you can't dump that much flour in Chester Creek. It's not that big. No. But we're going to continue the drying testing with that flour because, it, you know, it's not going to change. The, the dryer itself, the process isn't going to change. It's more of a, a flavor thing. So my impression is all the wheat, no matter where it's milled, comes from uh, the United States anyway. So presumably it's the milling that they've messed up. I don't know. Uh it's flavorless. I mean, if you did a side-by-side, it's like clear as day. Yeah, but is, is the hydration different? Uh, yeah. Actually, this this one that said made for pasta, and that's how they talked me into it. said, oh, everyone uses this. I'm like, okay. You didn't buy one bag first? I did, and then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So I did. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. So then I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to get better when I get two pallets yeah, of it. Yeah, it's going to be way better. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, so we're going to switch to General Mills, uh, which is a consistent, fantastic product. Um, and then we're going to start to mill in um, some fresh milled product like rye and all the things we like to do. Well, the, like the, I'm trying to decide what the most boring part of my book is going to be. Nastasia, you'll, how many words, okay, how many words do you think I'm shooting for for the book? Oh, I don't, I can't, I don't know how to. Liquid Intelligence was 127,000 words. Oh, got it. Double? No. What am I, Kenji? No. This is like, uh, I'm, uh, I'm shooting for the same length of book, all right? Now. Okay. Okay. I've written so far, the only section that's complete, you ready for how boring this is going to be? Mushrooms. 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 I'm still missing a couple of recipes, a couple of TKs in the mushrooms. Mushrooms already clocking at about 12,000 words. It's a lot of mushroom writing. Considering that this book is not about, like, it's not a lot about recipes. I'm not like, here's how to take a mushroom and turn, you know, it's not that. It's more just like, let's think about mushrooms. Here's some very simple tasting recipes, and let's think about the mushroom. You know what I mean? Like a lot of that. I yesterday wrote 3,500 words on BLT sandwiches. Because mm. they're delicious, right? <laughs> wow. Now, forget all that. What's going to be the most boring part? It's going to be the starch damage part. Mm-hmm. However, I think it's the most, it's one of the more important parts. I don't think people think about starch damage. What, I, you know, what I'm guessing happened, like a good pasta flour, right, is a durum semolina. Semolina is going to have lar- relatively large-ish chunks uh, and not a lot of hardcore starch damage and definitely not, a, I mean, some, enough, and definitely not like a lot of, uh, a lot of protein, but not a lot of gluten-forming ability so that it actually forms right. So was it that they had too much starch damage and it was taking in too much water and that's why it was flavorless? You know, um, we, we tested both in the side by side. We kept the same hydrations for both General Mills and this other unmentionable flour. Right. Um, and we extruded and they almost looked the same when they came out. However, when they dried, the color deepened a little bit with the General Mills and the grain was a little bit coarser. Right. With the semolina number one. Um, so the granules will be coarse, but we kept the same hydration, the tests. And the, and it's the other one, the one that you hated, still extruded properly at the same hydration. Extruded properly at the same hydration. However, the texture on the, the General Mills was better um, just in terms of chew um, with the same cook time. So we actually, we, te- we did side-by-side tests for both. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and we just literally liked everything about it. Taste, color, uh, structure of the noodle. Also, the more stuff. more starch damage, the more uh, enzymatic crap you're going to have before this stuff dries out on you. Before, you know, before and, it dries. Yeah, and well, the the machine is actually taking a lot of tweaking to get right. Um, so it's uh, it's we we run a glycol through the collar to yeah. manage the temperature, and mm-hmm. it's, it has to be perfect around ninety degrees, between ninety and one hundred degrees to extrude properly. What Southern Italian temperature? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but basically. Um, Getting it out the dye, you're probably wasting 20 pounds to get it to the right, um, the right length, right. and it come out of the dye evenly because the, the the way that it comes through the uh, the auger, it's going to come out of the path of least resistance, which is the 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 course in the middle, mm. and the ones on the outside take a little bit longer. So um, you're kind of like burning a lot, and you can throw it back in, I guess, and re-extrude it, but I don't think that's a good idea. I don't okay. think it's going to help with quality. You, don't, do you, want to, you know, you should sell factory seconds to, to chumps. That's a great idea. Yeah, there you go. You say, hey, chumps, you like factory seconds? Because you know I would buy that. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so do, do you mind talking about what kind of hydration you're shooting for? Or? Yeah, yeah. So right now it's 
way lower than I thought it would be. Um, we're about 24, 25%. Um, and I didn't think it would be that low. We at the restaurant extrude at 30%. Um, That's because you don't have as much force behind it, right? You know, and, and for the drying purposes, this does help. What we found is that when you tick up the hydration, it does help with the color. And I, the only reason we care about the color, of course, is it's going to go in a box of the window. Mm-hmm. And if your pasta looks all ashy and kind of white looking, people will compare that to, you know, if you're going to be in a box next to Barilla, you know, it's, it's like dark, that darker yellow golden color. So that's the only thing that we're a little bit concerned about from the marketability perspective. And you, never, you never cheat? You never hit it with some alkali or something to yellow it up? Should I? No. I'm just asking, like, <laughs> like you know, one of the ways to manipulate color is to cheat. Yeah. You, can add, you can add things to it. You know, you can mess with the, you can mess with the, uh, with the water slightly. I don't don't even think it needs to go hyperalkaline. I'm not talking about like yellow alkaline noodle yellow. I'm just talking like a little bit of a shift towards the basic will, uh, probably pop the color on. Well, I mean, we're running the water through a filter. I mean, it's just a standard, uh, just standard water filter, like drinking filter. Water over there is soft though. Real soft. So, at least uh, our water was. You know, we, we thought that could be a, a, a problem was the water. So we ran it through a filter and there was no flavor change and no texture change when we did that. So it, to us, it just kind of determined like, okay, how fast are you extruding? Because you can crank that machine up to 11. It does go up to 11, it, which is really awesome. for real? Yeah. Sweet. Spinal yeah. tap machine. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, we found that keeping it super low at around four for the speed, you know, relative, whatever, is uh, a comfortable uh, kind of like rate to come out and cut. If you go too fast, I think it does it does ruin the pasta structure um, a little bit, and it's not going to cut properly. It turns into a mess. So you can't speed up production that fast, at least for rigatoni, the first shape we're tasting. It's going to be like you know the the flagship you know shape. Yeah, rigatoni. And then we're going to do orecchiette in in, in Casareche. Oh, orecchiette! What a heartache orecchiette is. But it's not going to be the classic hand formed one. It's just it's going to be the extruded version, yeah. which is kind of a cheat. But I told I think I've said this on the air. I never order it ever and I, I won't allow anyone at the table to order it with me because I know it's going to be a heartache I just know <laughs> it's going to be a heartache I've had it happen to me before it's going to come out it, it, look I love Orecchietti and when it's good it's great but when they mess it up and they go too far on the al dente side and it's freaking raw mm-hmm. in the middle it's happened to us there's a restaurant I will never go back to it the chef is very nice I like him and it, it's been maybe 15 years since this happened, maybe wow. 12. And you're still you're still feeling it. I'm still feeling it. And Jen ordered the orecchietti. And as soon as she ordered it, I was like, <sighs> and it came. And they had, like everyone else in the world, par cooked their orecchietti. And then they didn't do it long enough on their finish. Mm-hmm. And it was raw. So this was middle. hand-formed orecchietti. Like classic. Uh, I don't, that's, it's been 12 years. All I remember is, is I was like, and I was like, you know, obviously you don't second get, if your wife doesn't like it, she doesn't like it. She doesn't mm-hmm. want it. Right. But I was like, let me try one. And so, you know, not double second guessing her, but straight up, she was straight up, right. Stuff was wrong. And, uh, and then I was like, <gasps> and I had to get the server over mm. and then they argued with us. Oh no. Yeah. Bad move. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah, that's them telling you, you you're yeah. wrong. Yeah, who cares like even? Who cares? Turn it to freaking mush, because if she took it back to the to, to whoever was cooking, right? They would have tasted it because they'd be angry at, mm-hmm. at us. They would have tasted it. It was pre-COVID, and and then like you know, <laughs> they would have been like, "Oh my bad, oh snap." You know what I mean? 
all, all of our servers at the restaurant can are more than welcome to come back and throw food in my face. They're more than welcome. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's, so I still get trapped. Well, so what we're going to do, at we're also opening up a, a gigantic market in Old Saybrook. So we leased the space on Main Street in Old Saybrook. Um, and uh, we're going to do an Italian-style market, prepared food, all that, all that fun stuff. Um, and then we're going to have like a live pasta making situation for people to come in and view what what's really excited about so with that you know you're not gonna use the guitar though i know you hate the guitar we might you hate the guitar you've told me you hated the guitar we might but listen the only reason i don't like the the guitar is that because (laughs) is because it does make a really thick dense noodle depending on on your like i've been called that many times a thick dense noodle yeah you know in my family there's a there's a, a saying that i can't find in english He's a macaroni with no hole. Okay. That's like an insult. <laughs> it's like the op- it's like, it's like the opposite of like he's a long drink of water. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a macaroni with no hole. Don't understand it. It's like it's up there with boss of the toilet. Nobody knows really where it came from. What? I've never heard of that. She's the boss. She's the boss of the toilet. That's what that like. Does that it, mean you occupy it longer? No, it just means that she's not the boss of anything. She's what? She's the boss oh. of the toilet. Oh, I you know what it. I mean? I get it. She, she, oh. Yeah. All right. I don't think I'll use that anytime soon. But right. Macaroni with no hole. You sh- well, the one you should use. This, can, if I'm using a direct quote, uh, can I use a sugar honey iced tea word? You're the one that has the issue yeah, with the curse word. So you, t- you ask you. You can bleep me. You bleep <laughs> Ready? You bleep me. So in my family, any sort of thing like if, if, if himself. Like that, mm-hmm. and like, and it took me a while to see what that. What does that mean? It means the if 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 if, if this if that if this. If, you know what I mean? Just do it. You know what I'm saying? That sounds family friendly, though. That's a, that's a good way anyway, to put it. Anyway, sayings from my the Boston bo- the Boston Boston Italian side of my family. Anyway, mm. macaroni with no. Yeah, if it's a family saying, it doesn't count as a curse. Is that true? Those are the rules. Mm. Those are the rules. Right. I just made it up, but those are the rules. Mm. All right, so uh, all right, so you're gonna do some live pasta. Wait, where are you building? Where are you making all this dang stuff? There's no room in Chester. Old Saybrook. Oh, your factory is in Old Saybrook. No, that's in Guilford. Guilford, jeez. Yeah, we're opening up two businesses this year. Yeah. What are you taking over from? Guilford is a town like on the other side of the highway. So you got like you have a highway, and on one side you have like Madison and the fancy weasels, and on the other side you have Guilford and the Guilford folk. And what Guilford has is Bishop's Orchards, which mm-hmm. is like an old school pick your own joint. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you taking over from them? Do you chop down a bunch of apple trees and uh, no, put your pasta there? No, no. we just we leased a little warehouse just for the manufacturing. But eventually we'll move it to a bigger space. It was kind of just our get going kind of thing. But the, the yeah, the big it's on, right on Main Street on um, in Old Saybrook, so mm-hmm. seven thousand square feet. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what about your experiments with uh, drying? How's that been? That sounds like a pain in the butt. Oh God. Uh, not so much the process. The process is fun. The dryer itself has been a pain in the ass. So, but what size? Like you're not you don't have like a Travellini size. Like. <laughs> no, it's, it holds fifty trays, which it, the max on it is supposed to be five hundred pounds um, of product. Um, but that's what it says the max is. Per, and and per what's drink. your cycle time per batch on that? You know, uh, if you do ten trays, it's eight hours. If you do the full bit, it takes twelve hours, maybe. 15, it depends on the shape. It depends how fast you want to dry it. Um, slower drying does help. You dry too fast, your noodle cracks. We figured that out pretty quick. So you almost have to run full batches to get the machine to work correctly, um, which is why it takes so much flour and waste and throwing it out and all that stuff. Yeah, hard to do in small... Uh... 
It can. No, yeah. you need to do the real thing every yeah. single time. Yeah. So, but uh, but yeah. So we basically have to get a moisture meter um, and then take you crack it up in this little dealy do thing. It grinds it for you, and then you take the moisture meter. Should be fifteen to twenty percent. You're shooting for. And what we found was that um, when you when you go for the the dry, it goes through cycles and it has to be programmed. You know, it's on and off. the The direction of the fan changes and it vents only when the humidity, the relative humidity, gets to a certain point. And it goes in these stages, and it won't go to the next phase until the the humidity goes down. So the heaters kick on, all this kind of stuff. The problem that we ran into was of no fault of our own, um, but uh, basically it wasn't uh, wired correctly. They put a transformer on it that shouldn't have been there, and the thing blew up and almost caught on fire. So that was Sweet. cool. Uh, so then we had to be shipped new fans, installed, and poor Emilio had to deal with a bunch of yelling over the phone to Italy of why did you do this, all that kind of stuff. So, But now we're good. Now we're operational. Uh, All right, listen. Quinn, who wrote an ice cream book, Q Dragon, is going to call in in a couple of minutes. So let's, John, why don't you read some some questions there? All right. First, we got Jake, excuse me, Jake Nancaro. Hi, Dave and crew. I really enjoyed your YouTube video of the carbonation setup, especially interested in aspects of your kitchen. You're the only one. I loved it. I'm an architect and have designed plenty of kitchens, but mostly focus on aesthetics rather than pure function. I'm looking at redoing my own kitchen and wondering if you have gen- any general suggestions, tips, and tricks. Well, it's interesting that an architect uh, asked because everything that I want, every architect would hate. Like, <laughs> in order to make a kitchen truly functional, and even like, the, the issue is this. You want as many things out in the open as possible because you want things to be fast and like, so I want, I have my pans hanging in close proximity to my range. I have a bunch of stainless steel bowls. They're stacked. I have like, my implements are on the counter because I don't want to go into a closet to get my KitchenAid to bring it out, to put it, to use it. So every one of those basic moves is complete anathema to most uh, architects. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find that if something isn't to hand, then you just don't end up using it in a home environment. And a restaurant's a little bit different because you can just tell someone they have to use it and put it away, right? I mean, like, that's because it's it's a job. But at home, that's just not the way it works. If it's not out, you know, it's not easy. You're not, you're not going to use mm-hmm. it. Some things I think that people could get from restaurants at home, speed rack. Oh, my God. Having a speed rack at home, like a half, a half uh, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. A, like a full sheet tray, Half height rack mm-hmm. under counter. I mean, it's not the prettiest thing, but I mean, oh my God, when you're doing like Christmas cookies and whatnot or whatever your equivalent of Christmas cookies is and you're like, and you can cool them off and then like throw them in the oven. Yeah. You can like stage them out. Money. Also, like if you need to in a pinch, you can spread stack your sheets so that you have a big empty space and you can just dump your dirties in as they come in while you're cycling through your dishwasher. But I didn't say you should do that, but you can. Can I tell a quick dishwasher story? Sure. So I actually put in a commercial dishwasher in my new house. Oh, my goodness. Terrible idea. Because it takes so much electricity? No. Why? Uh, because, well, the tank's got to heat up every single time you turn yeah, it on. Yeah, yeah. But I bought a bar one. My wife is not happy. Um, she, in fact, named it the LPS, the little piece of shit. Wow. Mm. Um, she hates it. Mm. So it's, it's a good party story now. Well, my dream, which doesn't exist. Oh, we got Queen Colin. My dream, which doesn't exist, is the is a home machine, a home washing machine with a, uh, with a supplemental boiler so that you could flip it mm-hmm. into, I need this cook, I need this done fast mode because mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So you like, 
So you could be like, yes, I'll do my two-hour Bosch, silent, blah, 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 blah you know, eco-friendly thing. Mm. Or I need these things done in the next five minutes because we don't need two, two and a half minute or one and a half minute cycles at home. We don't need that. But like a five or 10 minute cycle, even like a 15 minute cycle that was real on your home uh, mm-hmm. dishwasher would be free game, game changing. Well, well, that's, that was the intention. I, uh, so I sold it to her and said, how would you like to wash dishes in two minutes? And she goes, why? I just load the thing up and then when it's full, I hit on and then I walk away. I said, but you know. What if we have like company over? Don't you just want to be able to bang out a bunch of dishes and do this? And she says, no, you're going to do the dishes. Wow. Yeah. So I lost. Wow. So now we're going to buy a brand new dishwasher. I yeah. lost. Yeah. So I don't know. Now I have a bar dishwasher. I don't know what I'm going to do. When it. you're installing a dishwasher, people, do not, uh, do not, not, do not, not, do not, not pay attention to the drain line recommendations. If you push your drain line further than they tell you you're supposed to, especially those just stupid crinkly things that ruin come the pump. out, yeah. ruin the pump and yeah. you're going to get backed up. And then yeah. it's just, what a heartache. You're constantly going to be going in there and like, just, you know what, just design your kitchen so that the dishwasher can drain properly. That's, mm-hmm. that's a piece of advice from me to you. And also of course, foot pedals, I mean, duh, foot pedals and good <laughs> ventilation, foot mm-hmm. pedals, Good ventilation. Uh, anyone who's ever had the foot pedals is like, they're like, I don't need a foot pedal. Then they come and they use the foot pedal. They're like, I need a foot pedal. Mm. Same with the Japanese toilet seat. Everyone who's used it, everyone's like, I don't know who needs it. Who wants to get sprayed in the butt with it? With it? And then they use it like, I want to get sprayed in the butt. Everyone. <laughs> everyone. Quinn, welcome. Are you, can you hear me? Yes, hello. Hey, good to can hear you your hear voice. Right. Long time. How's it going? I, so I, I, yeah, so, thank you. So now... Uh, so Quinn, you have a new uh, you have a new gelato book out. Give, give me the title again. Uh, gelato obsession. There's a gelato obsession, and by the way, I appreciate on the cover. There's yeah. a searsall on the cover. I appreciate the uh, I appreciate appreciate yeah. the, the push out. That's very nice. And it's <laughs> people. You download it. It's only I think it was five bucks, right? What was it? Yeah, five dollars. Five dollars. Yeah, good price. Yeah, five dollars. Uh, and uh, where do they get it? Uh, they can go to gelatoobsession.com, that's all one word, and that will redirect you to the uh, purchase page on my website. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's a $5 investment, and I, I, I read it, uh, and I very, very highly researched, some, but some interesting... So, first of all, like, uh, you know, typically when you read a, a gelato or an ice cream book, at least old ones, right? I mean, because remember, I came up with the Arbuckle, which was like Arbuckle ice cream, which is now, uh, I forget who does that book now, but it's uh, uh, the, it's currently being by that famous dairy person out of the University of Guelph. Uh, is that how you pronounce that? Mm-hmm. Guelph? Is that Guelph? Is that right? Is that how you pronounce that Canadian yep, town? Yep. Yeah, Guelph. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, Quinn, Quinn, what's the name of that bo- uh, the book? What is that called now? Is it still just called Ice Cream, that book? Uh, I'm not sure about that. Uh, I think so. Mm, anyway, but what's interesting is, is that uh, you've done a like a it's a very highly technical book however it is focused on using home equipment and is focused on uh-huh. using uh you 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 did all the recipes to be dipped directly out of a minus 20 slash minus four Fahrenheit freezer. So to have it be at yeah. dipping temperature directly out of a home freezer. And to me, that was like the biggest, like what? And 
So, like, why don't you talk a little bit about that choice to not temper the ice cream? And two, I'm curious whether or not you're having issues with um, with meltdown rate. Does it melt more quickly? I mean, it's, it's gelato. It's not ice cream. So it's very highly stabilized. And does that mean that it's fine to have something that is uh, meant to be served directly out of the freezer? Why don't you why don't you tell me your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, I, I haven't, like, timed it. It probably does melt a little faster. And obviously, I think the ideal for most gelato anyways is you serve a small portion to, you know, whoever's having it, and then you eat it quickly. And then if you want more, you go get more. But I just thought, you know, how many people are going to put the gelato on the counter or maybe in the fridge, forget about it, and the top layer melts, and they try and serve it, and they put it back in the freezer, and then you get degradation really quickly. No, that's a good point. So I figure, let's, let's, let's try and make it, again, some of the recipes do need, like, a little bit of tempering, but I try to minimize it as much as possible. Yeah, and... and- and so, by and large, they're all fairly highly stabilized. It looks like you, 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 a lot of them or most of them contain LBG xanthan as the base, as the base uh, yeah. thickening units. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, that's got to also help with the meltdown, though, right? Yeah, again, a little bit. I mean, again, some of them also, like the fruit-based ones, anything with a high sort of additional water-containing ingredient, I also hit it with a little bit of uh, gelatin. Yeah, and with your acidic ones, you hit them with a little bit of citrate, and that really helps a lot with the anti-curdling. Or is it? I mean, I noticed you said that you don't mind a little bit of micro curdling in your in your recipes, and but the one you said that you seem to get the most problems out of was the grapefruit, right? Yeah, again, the grapefruit one has the most straight up citrus juice, um, and again, I think when I tested it, it did again sort of micro curdle. But I was remembering uh, your explanation of micro curdling from the milk syrup and liquid intelligence. And so again, when I did the final blend with the citrate as well, it came out, you know, totally smooth. Let me ask you a question about that because I've never added the citrate to try to, to fix it. But um, one of the problems that I've had with um, citrus based like a, a lemon uh, ice cream, I've never tried it with the gelato, but with like an ice cream base is, is that you churn it and it's fine. But then if you try to hold it for a day or two, it starts getting real kind of grainy, sandy. Did, did you have that problem with that or does the citrate really help with that, too? Again, I didn't notice that. And again, when I'm using strong citrus like lemon-lime, that recipe within the book is way more about the zest flavor, and then there's only a little bit of juice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and the zest isn't going to cause any any kind of those uh, curdling issues. Do you have any with this? The other thing I was question with the stabilization is that you're a big fan, as you know, uh, a lot of people are of uh, milk powder, right? You're using it both for the lactose as a as a sweetening thing, and I guess also to just a bulk up the solids content, but do you, have you had any problems with the, the old technical literature said if your lactose level goes too high, it comes out of solution during freezing and becomes sandy. Did the, and they, they call it sandiness, right? So did, did you have any issues with that with the milk powder or does the stabilization also help with that? Uh, I've only had issues with that in the recipes 
where I incorporated um, toasted milk powder. I have a few, the brown butter recipe, the caramel recipe, and the apple pie. If you sort of, so the technique involves pressure cooking milk powder in a jar to toast it. And if you go too far, it can stay a little sandy. Um, but with regular milk powder, again, I would say I use it somewhat conservatively for some recipes. So I, I never found too much uh, texture issues with that. Yeah. The uh, the other thing that was fun about it is that for, you know, you never see this for, you know, a, a book intended to be for home. By the way, the ice cream machine you use is a typical, like you freeze the bowl in the freezer and you do it. So you're talking about... Yep. Probably like I had it for like probably, probably I, I would think it was sixty dollars like eight years ago. Yeah, you said that's what you said in the book, sixty bucks. I mean, the issue with those always for me is that they have a long batch time, like thirty minutes. But I would guess the stabilizers are kind of helpful so that you don't get giant crystals, even though your batch time is so long. Right? Is that the theory? Is that one of the reasons why you did gelato? Uh, well, that's no, actually that's why I also pre-chill. I bring all the bases to close to zero Celsius before the churn. So how fast, what, what are your batch times looking like on that machine? Eh, 15, 20. Oh, that's, that's not bad. I mean, it's better than and 20, 30. 15, 20 is a lot better than yeah. 20, 30. Yeah. Now, now listen, what somebody should do is donate to you like a countertop professional machine so that you can test it in the in the in the other things. In fact, we have a, a question. You want to talk about your ice cream question there, John? Yeah, from Brady excuse me. From Brady Vickers. Are there any worthy worthy alternatives to the Carpagiani LB one hundred that run on one twenty volt power? Or maybe other approaches in a home environment that could result in pro level product? Oh, it depends on how much money you have. I mean, all those professional level machines are are over four grand. Right, a Carpagiani LB100, which I thought was 120, but looking it up, I guess it was 220. Back, we had 220 plugs at school back when I used it. We used to use Taylor's, and we used the Carpagiani LB100, which I think they re-released. I think they stopped making it for a while, and they re-released it. Fantastic machines, uh, four quarts, I think, right, mm -hmm. for something like that, four quarts, and uh, they're great. They're nine grand. So, like, you know, if you're if you're rich, you know, if you have nothing but money bleeding out of your ears. Then, yeah, go get one. And Carpajani makes a 500 mil batch called Freeze and Go, which sounds like really pleasant because it's a little, it's a countertop machine. It's got a, like an eight or nine minute batch time. And, you know, it's awesome vertical, which is nice. It's four and a half grand. You know what I mean? So it's like, how much money do you have? You can get an Emery Thompson, which is the American one that's been around since 1909. Some people love it. I've never used one. For like four grand, you can get a vertical countertop two-quart that plugs into a 110 is air-cooled. You know, but uh, it's a many thousand-dollar problem. And, you know, to get the same batch time as what Quinn's getting— the only alternative, really, that some semi-pro people use in professional restaurants is the is the is the Musso or the Lello, which you're talking about, like a, a seven hundred dollar problem. You can get it from like JB Prince, and that's like eight levels above the like standalone compressor thing that like Cuisinart would come out with. But it's still not like Carpajani level, right? I mean, let's you got to be clear with yourself that that's not gonna happen, right? The the energetics are kind of unfavorable. They have very good compressors. And they're they're heavy. Like the the carpet, the LB one hundred weighs 
I think 250, 300 pounds. You know what I mean? And like uh, even like the smaller two quart Emory Thompson and Taylor also does make a 110 unit that is just almost the size of the LB100. But again, none of the chefs I know who've used both Taylor and Carpegiani Taylor's fine, but they don't like it as much. And if you're going to be spending four grand, you really want to spend something on something that you don't like quite as much, you know, uh, problematic. Uh, but anyway, I think someone, you know, Quinn should get you just one of these kind of machines so that you can test the difference and just be like, you know, because you've done all this work with, with uh, you know, a certain kind of machine. Wouldn't it be fun to have, you know, the, uh, the hyper fancy machine just to see how the recipe differs or how the texture Yeah, differs? I mean, it, yeah, it would definitely be fun. Well, honestly, I would worry about having that kind of machine permanently because, I mean, I'm still developing new flavors and new recipes. And, I mean, I would never want a recipe that only works on those really fancy machines. Mm, that's fair. And also, if, you're, if, you're, if your goal is to write smaller batch recipes, you actually are probably, and Carpegiani makes one, uh, Cold Delight makes one. Uh, Taylor, maybe. Emery Thompson definitely makes one. Uh, the smaller batch machines, even though they're commercial quality in terms of their speed, they're much smaller batch sizes. For a restaurant, the LB100 was, you know, for, for like a 60, 70 seat restaurant, the LB100 was great because it was, you know, you'd, you'd spin a flavor and it's, and it's, you know, that's the right amount. You're not having to put like 8,000 batches of each flavor through the thing. Like, like th- that's the reason uh-huh. if, I don't know if you've ever had a, Paco Jet or equivalent Quinn, but like the Paco Jet, you know, people would have like a bunch of Paco Jet containers. And then uh, Nemox, an Italian, I think it was Nemox, Italian version of it made an even smaller one and they were tiny and you had to sit there spinning all day and it was kind of a nightmare. So the LB100 is a sweet spot for restaurants, but it's real overkill for home. Real overkill. You know what you can do at home, people? Rent a real soft serve machine. Just, I'm, I'm serious. Rent a soft serve machine. Uh, you need uh, 220 plug and, uh, it's going to be water cooled. So what you need to do is you need to hook a garden hose up to it, put it outside, hook a garden hose. That's what I did. I hooked a garden hose up. I found one on the street and I wheeled it home. It's nine, 900 pounds. And I hooked a garden hose up to it into my bathtub to do the water cooling. And that is quite a party. A soft serve party <laughs> is a party, a real party. And, and, I messed – this is one of the first ice cream things I'd ever done. It was before I was working at the French Culinary. And uh, I, I had never made that much creme anglaise in my life. I'd never tried to make five gallons of creme anglaise. And you know what you should never, ever do? Go from only ever having made a, a, like a quart of creme anglaise to then trying to make gallons in one shot because what you're going to see is just bloop cooked eggs just float right to the top of your creme anglaise and you can't uncook those eggs and i'm no heston blumenthal so i wasn't like i meant to do that <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> with his scrambled egg ice cream that he's famous for uh and it sucked so i ended up driving to the bronx driving to the mr softy uh warehouse and just walking up like i was a mr softy truck what are you doing who who are you? I'm like, I have a soft serve machine. I just want to throw a party. Mr. Softy, I love Mr. Softy. Can I buy it? He's like, okay. And he sold me like a cr- couple of crates of Mr. Softy. What a party. That's a good way to do a party. But, you know, if you don't have thousands of dollars and a lot of countertop space, I, you know what's really fun? And Quinn, I'm surprised that you didn't uh, try this. The old ice uh, and salt machines 
are fantastic. And in thrift stores, if you can get someone to go search for it, for it, um, find them, you can find Rival. So, like, the, the, the classic uh, homemade ice cream machine is White Mountain. White Mountain has wooden dashers on it, and it's old and classic, and I, I like it, the hand crank. The Rival from, like, the 80s has, like, a, a much better-fitting plastic dasher system. And so I found that the ice cream I got out of my $2 thrift store Rival with the, uh, with the motor on it, uh, ice and salt, because you can, you can cheat and add more salt than you're supposed to and get very fast batch times. And if the dasher is just right, you can get extraordinary ice cream out of one of uh, those things. But they are messy. I do, in fact, know a restaurant that actually does that because when I was a pastry cook, I don't know, uh, 12 years ago, that's how I made ice cream. In the, in, uh, in the restaurant. Yeah, in, a, in one of those salt and ice rival oh, things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What a pain in the ass. They worked, though. Those old rivals. Oh, it worked. I liked it better than the White Mountain, and the White Mountain is the is the marquee brand, and yeah. I thought the rival was much better ice cream. Yeah. You he know? still uses it 12 years later. Mm. You know what you do <laughs> with the rival, right? The, it's so funny. The way that the—I the, love this kind of design slash hate, right? So the, the way it runs is they're like, uh, it's done when the motor stalls. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's like you keep putting stuff in, and then you're supposed to wait for the motor to be like— and then you stop, right? Crazy. I could never get it because we'd be doing it in August, you know. No. Nah. And like you put it in the sink in the kitchen and just sweating everywhere. It's just oh, you, yeah, you it's would get mess. half ice cream out of it. I think he's he's dialed it in by now. But oh, I remember uh, I remember struggling. Such with a it. mess. And then and then you're supposed to pull the motor off and then pack more salt and ice on it and then like cover it with a whole bunch of towels and let it harden in the in the. Yeah. Well, what happened is you get like you put the ice in with the salt and then that layer between the you know the 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 bucket. And where the salt and the ice is, it starts to melt. So you don't get full contact with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, it's yeah, yeah, never yeah. like enough. So I don't, I don't know. Well, that's to... why you're supposed to crack it. But who's got the energy to sit there and beat all of that ice and your hands are freezing? I enjoy it. I, I Honestly, I miss that rival. <laughs> I wish I had never gotten rid of it. I wish I had never bought the White Mountain. But Quimby, you could play with those. Those are fun. Uh, I, to to I do mean, a I couple could. times. It sounds awful, to be honest. <laughs> but like, <laughs> you can get a fast freeze time out of it. I'm just saying. When I need an ice machine or lots of bags of ice. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely like a two, yeah. five pound bag of ice situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, anyways, so what's your, what's, your, what's your favorite recipe? Why don't you choose one of the recipes that you want to uh, focus on and, and uh, Quinn, and let us, let oh, us know. Oh, God. I know. It's like choosing. Oh, it's like choosing. Uh, it, it, which one is most instructive for people for you to talk about? Not your favorite. Which one do you think is most instructive to uh, discuss with people? How about that? That's a better way to put it. Okay. I, well, all right, I'm going to I'm going to say two. Okay. I think the berries and yogurt is I think it's one of my favorite from a technique perspective because the recipe is 50% fresh fruit. And I mean, I don't know how many other fruit-based, you know, ice cream recipes are going to pack in that much fruit content, but then still achieve a good texture. Um, and, and just to be clear before you say, like then, in the book, you're very clear that this recipe is not a frozen yogurt. It is a gelato that contains some yogurt. Yes. Because <laughs> I feel like frozen yogurt implies slightly less fat and perhaps sugar than standard uh, frozen desserts, and this is not that. <laughs> So and so, so, how do you? So, what does the yogurt do to help you achieve the texture and allow you to have the high fruit uh, base? Uh, 
We're going to go for a Greek yogurt. So it's strained. I make my own, of course, because I'm like that. Um, but again, that is incorporating a lot of protein without, you know, having to worry about dissolving a bunch of milk powder. Right. And do you have a lot? I it's feel like, like if I did. You have, do you have a lot of problems with the milk powder dissolving? Is that why you like you often preheat half of your – I mean I know you're preheating half of it because you're using LBG, which needs to be heated to, to get in. But does that also help with the milk powder? Well, again, most of the recipes, you heat the entire thing. Specifically with the fruit flavor, I keep half of it raw because I want half to taste raw mm-hmm. of the fruit uh, specifically. So, again – there's a pretty small amount of like actual liquid that you're cooking. So I just didn't want to risk, you know, the milk powder not dissolving. But in general, it's fine. And uh, I've got a flavor in particular. Right. What's the, what's, the, uh, what's the other recipe you wanted to highlight? I would say that the first recipe, which is the dark chocolate. You know, you got to refresh me. It's zero cream. All the extra fat comes from the chocolate. Presumably that's to not mask as much of the chocolate flavor, correct? Yeah. And again, I think, I, I, you know, I just, it it probably was the most iterations to get the flavor dialed in. And I'm just, you know, really happy with it. I like that, you know, there's a full table for, you know, different Percentages of dark chocolate, I think it demonstrates balancing flavor well. And, you know, I'm just really happy with how it turns out. Speaking of chocolate, maximizing chocolate flavor, I know it's not part of the book because you didn't do this, but I love chocolate sorbet, like super intensely chocolate sorbet. Remember well, what? I, I, would say, I would say that, you know, my recipe is basically a chocolate sorbet. I mean, again, the base liquid is milk. But like, you don't taste milk. Let me tell you. Mm. Yeah. Is it is it Quinn? Is it kind of like fudge sickle flavor? No, it's dark chocolate. Oh, that's good because I hate fudge sickle flavor. I mean, you hate cocoa powder. Again, there is yeah, cocoa powder like flavors. No, it's chocolate. Yeah, he, he that's uses awesome. Milk I, and chocolate. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't use any cocoa powder. Yeah, in okay. the book. Yeah. Plus the texture of. Do you also hate brownies that are mixed half chocolate, half cocoa powder? No. You just don't like it in an ice cream situation. No, because I just have, I don't know, I don't like fudgicles. All right. You're allowed to hit a fudgicle, Joel. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine, man. I just I was just curious. Ain't nobody you... judging you except for I, Joe's judging over there. <laughs> I'm just messing with uh, you. I don't know what Joe's fudgicle That's good. I, well, 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 I want to try that now. Yeah. Straight well, you know what? Book's only five bucks. I'm going to get it. Yeah. Uh, the, wait, I had another question. Oh, the other interesting thing about the book is that it's a, uh, a lot of it's tabulated, which I appreciate. You want to talk about uh, uh, antifreeze power, and so like all of his, you know, all of your recipes, Quinn. You're like, you're just, you're, you're basically saying this ingredient has this much antifreeze power, this much antifreeze power, and then you tally it, and you're shooting for a specific number because that's what's going to give you your the right texture out of the freezer, right? So you're like, this many units yeah. of alcohol has this much antifreeze power, this many units of lactose. You know, uh, you know, you talk you also interesting is that, you know, back when I was hanging out with pastry chefs all the time, it was all syrups and trimoline and invert and stuff like this. And you're like, to hell with that. 
it's easier just to use a straight dextrose powder, which, interesting, I never even thought about it that way, but it's true. If you want a whole bunch of monosaccharide that's not that sweet, why not just buy the powder? You want to talk about AFP and uh, dextrose? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, that's the real key. Again, even if you were prepping this for a professional setting where it's going to be served warmer, you still need a lot of extra anti-freezing power compared to using, um, you know, just plain sucrose. And I think it's really easy to get. It's really cheap. Um, I sort of introduced it a little bit in Chapter 2. But then I would say, if you go to the end of the book, chapter 13 and the appendix, that is sort of the culmination of explaining how the different types of sugar can interact when making a recipe. And I just think it's, you know, it's the key ingredient sort of for making, you know, a very serviceable frozen dessert. But as as uh, anyone else, like... Uh... Has anyone else just, like, tabulated their recipes with, like, this kind of additive, like, AFP anti-freezing properties? Or is that, is that, is that your innovation? Or, no, I, 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 no I, I saw that in uh, really old school uh, Gelato Senza Segreta by Angelo Carvito, which is a pretty old school but huh. relatively, you know, influential gelato book. Yeah, cool. And they, they tabulated that. But some of their numbers, like I say, are crazy. What, like, uh, like what, 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 like, what do they get wrong most? Well, they, 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 they say honey, one for one, has the same properties as a dry dextrose. Yeah, that's not, that's, that's incorrect. Uh, yes. For those, for those of you that don't know kind of what we're talking about, I'll give you the I'll give you some shorthand, right? So sucrose is a uh, is a disaccharide. It's got two monosaccharides in it. You got your glucose and and your fructose linked up into a sucrose, right? Now, uh, glucose. If you break it up, glucose uh, less sweet than sucrose on a gram per gram basis. Fructose. The sweetness is dependent on the temperature at which it's served, but it's higher than than it. now here's here on a gram per gram gram per gram basis but here's the thing remember sucrose weighs roughly twice on a on a molecule basis it weighs roughly twice what either dextrose or fructose weigh right and colligative properties if you guys remember from chemistry or colligative properties right the temperature the freezing point depression depends not on how many grams of something you put into solution it's how many molecules you put into solution. So if you're using uh, dextrose, which has roughly twice as many molecules in it per uh, gram as sucrose does, and yet is less sweet, right? You get a lot of freezing point depression without making a, a lot sweeter. Quinn, am I, uh, am I on the right track there? Yeah, and I would say one more thing that I would like to point out in the book that uh, I'm quite proud of and took a lot of time, is that for all natural sources of sugar, so honey, all the fruits, um, both in the recipes and at the back of the book, I do give a estimated, calculated sweetness and AFP based on average composition of sucrose, glucose, and fructose. 
man, average is the best. Average is the best you can do. It's the best you can do. All right, yeah. let's uh, let's uh, let's keep all of our brains together here. And John, do we have any more questions we have to get to today? Because we're we're about to run out. No, nope, not from Patreon. No, anything else that's apropos from the uh, other list? And while we're waiting, I'm looking out here at the hot dog cart that's outside of our of our window. What is this cheese pretzel? When did this happen? That's not a thing. Cheese pretzel? What is that? It's like instead of a pretzel, it's like a New York pretzel, but someone who didn't understand what a pretzel was looked at it and was like, hey, how about we take the salt off of it and just put some garbage cheese on it? I feel like I've seen that at Restaurant Depot in the freezer section. Really? Yeah. Doesn't look like a good one. Well, it finally caught on. Yeah? Mm. All right. So we have no more questions. We can just get we can just have uh, these guys say that they're their last pitches for the uh, yep. for the thing. Yep. All right. Who's gonna go first? Quinn, you wanna give give him the pitch for the book. It's only five dollars, people. Self published. Yeah, it's uh, five dollars. You have twenty seven flavors. Uh, but within that there's probably more recipes with variations, uh, as well as two chapters of information and one chapter of how to make your own flavors. Well, it's definitely it's definitely $5 worth of, if more than $5, it's definitely worth the $5 in terms of the information and the research uh, that you uh, put into it. And kudos to anyone who's going to put the time in to go do a, a self, self-published thing. So, uh, And uh, they're, gonna, they're supposed to go to gelatoobsession.com. Uh, and uh, that's where they yeah. it links off to 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 get it, and it, it comes in a in a in a PDF format, right? Yep, you just you get I believe you purchase it and you get a an email to download it. It's all DRM free, so it's just a, a simple PDF once you buy it. But yeah, there you go. See, he's not even he's not even trying to beat you over the head and not let you use it across all your platforms. And no trees were murdered in the making of this book. So there you go. You know what I mean? Although although there is. There is a print version on the way. All right, well, you know. Well, that, that'll come. <laughs> you know, kill, kill a tree, save a tree farmer. You know what I mean? Uh, all right, mm-hmm. well, uh, Quinn, thanks so much for uh, for coming on. Joel, what, what do you got for us? What's your what's your last licks? So um, soon to hit store shelves. I don't know where, but maybe maybe just Connecticut to start. Gargano Pasta, the family brand, family owned, family operated. Yeah? It's going to have so it's gonna, family owned. Oh, yeah, it's going to be one of those. But it's going to say it on it? Oh, yeah. All that stuff? Uh, on the bottom, it's going to say, the Gargano family. Gargano, hey. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, hey, which I've never heard you say, which would be funny if you started. By the way, you're so old school. I know you were here a lot, but you're so old school, like Connecticut. Like, you worked. Didn't you used to work? Where did you work in New Haven? It wasn't Leon's, right? Way no, back in the day? no, 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 no. I, I worked at, like, a corporate, corporate kitchen in, yeah. in New Haven. But my family owned a bakery in Branford. And we made all the cannolis and the, and the like. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Old school. Old school Connecticut. All righty. Uh, Quinn, Joel, thanks. See you guys next week. Cooking Issues. Mm-hmm.